You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. We are going to be kicking off uh, a brand new series called Rainbows and Butterflies. And listen, I'm excited. I think out of the four years that we have ever been at church, this might be the most important message I've ever given. And so um, I asked my wife, I said, babe, have you ever heard this saying rainbows and butterflies? And she said, no. And so I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, maybe no one else will too. And so rainbows and butterflies, you guys, have you guys ever heard that phrase, life is not always rainbows and and butterflies? And so we're looking at this idea of uh, how to stand firm in your faith when life is not rainbows and butterflies. Like, what does that look like? And I, I feel like for me that it, this, this urgency of this message is, is really stems from this idea that I think too many believers, when they go through a hard time, their feet are not planted firmly in their faith and they're easily knocked off. And, and so my goal with the next Three weeks, next week we're going to take a break, we're going to celebrate the moms, we'll have something special for all the women of the house, the ladies of the house. Um, But we're going to be taking the next, this week and then the two weeks after Mother's Day, to be looking at how we stand firm in our faith. And so uh, we're going to be looking in the book of Ephesians, now a little backdrop, a little context of what's going on here, Ephesians, it's a letter written by a man named Paul. Now, Paul, he is a, uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with Paul, he, he has a testimony. Paul, he, he, was, uh, he, he was known as a persecutor of Christians. Um, and so he had this rap, but I love how one day he was on the, the road to Damascus and, and he had one encounter with Jesus. And this one encounter with Jesus forever changed his life. And and for me, that's very encouraging, and it should be encouraging for you this morning as well, because you need to know that all you need is one encounter with Jesus, and whatever you've been struggling with could change. And, and so here is Paul, he's, he's writing, he encounters Jesus, and, and his life is forever changed, forever altered, and... Um, and, 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 and so this guy, Paul, he, he writes this letter, Ephesians. He writes it to a church in Ephesus. And what's very amazing to me about this letter is that Paul, he writes this letter while most scholars believe while in prison in Rome. And I look at that, I read that, I'm like, my gosh, like this gives him a little street cred for what we're about to read in Ephesians chapter 6. So uh, there's, we're going to go from 10 to verse 18, but we're just going to break it down. Um, this is going to be the main text for the next week in our series. And so I'll just go ahead and read it, and then we'll get started. So here it is, verse 10. A final word. So this is the last part of the letter that he's writing. He's saying the final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. Let me hear you say stand firm. Against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits. Don't freak out. It's okay. Let's keep going. Verse 13. Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist 
the enemy in the time of evil. Some translations, so that you can stand firm when the enemy attacks. Then after the battle, you will, be able, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This morning I want to talk to you briefly from the subject belt and armor. The belt and armor. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to come together, gather together, and to worship you, God, freely. And Father, I pray right now, God, that this message, that it would come forth in clarity, God. Father, I believe that this is such a timely message and such an important message, God. And so I pray that, that all distractions, Father, that they would leave our minds right now. God, would you help us to engage for the next 25 minutes so that we would know how to stand firm in our faith. God, we want to leave changed. We don't want to leave the same way that we came in. We want to leave different. We want to leave better. God, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. God, we love you so much. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For some of you guys, you, you, you didn't know this, but I am a psych major. Um, so that means that I went to college. That means that I have a debt. Hey, um, we're not going to talk about that. But, um, but school never came easy to me. Like I've never been the person who can sit in class, never take notes, never study for an exam, and get an A. If you're in here, we're annoyed by you. <laughs> like, it doesn't come easy for me. I, I, don't, I don't like exams. I don't like school. Um, and, and, and so uh, it's, just, it's, it, it's never been easy for me. I've always, had to, I've always been the person that has to, like, lock myself in the room for hours and hours and hours and hours. Just to get a C. Come on. Where are my C students at? Hey, come on. Woo, C's get degree. I like that. Tell the truth, shame the devil. <laughs> my God. I feel so blessed. Let's just end right now and we'll just... Uh, so, so I've always, I've always had to study hard and, and I would always just get C's. Um, but I remember when, uh, the final exam before I, I graduated, I had to take this, it was a 75 questionnaire and I had to diagnose, um, different mental illnesses. So there were 75 different pretend people. They, they wrote down their, their pretend issues and, and I would have to, I don't even remember what the things were anymore, but, but I had to like say what it was, what, what disorder, mental disorder they had, and, and it was crazy. And so uh, this was like the test, the exam of all exams. 
And, uh, and, and so I, I remember uh, going to class um, the morning and, and um, just really relaxed, you know. Do you guys know that when there's an exam, like a lot of people, they just, it's tense. Like you could feel it in the air. I, I went into class and I was just like, I was relaxed and I was chill. Well, I sat down and uh, these people in front of me, I, I, I saw one of them lean over and she, and she was like to her friend, are you ready to take the exam today? And I was like, today? <laughs> See, for some reason I thought the exam was the following day. And so I came into the exam, and I was like, I was so unprepared. I wanted to crawl under my desk and disappear and give up. I wanted to, I just wanted to cry. And I remember just sitting in that moment, just feeling so unprepared that I wanted to give up. Like I didn't even care about my degree at that moment. I just wanted to, I just wanted to give up. I would have gone four years and, and in that moment I just wanted to give up because I was unprepared for that moment. See, I was thinking about that and this feeling of being unprepared and, and I think that it goes with all throughout life and everything that you and I go through, but especially in our walk with God, this idea of if we are unprepared, when something happens that we're not expecting, it's very easy for us to want to give up, to throw our hands up. It's very easy in that moment to, if we are not prepared to, to, to view our situation as something that is going to forever ruin us, therefore we want to give up. Being unprepared. See, I think it's very similar in our walk with Christ, this, this idea that for the most part, and this was me too at the beginning of, of my journey in, in my faith, is that I viewed my faith, I viewed Christianity as a go-free card. I viewed my Christianity as just rainbows and butterflies. I, I viewed my Christianity as, um, as a repellent to anything bad that could ever happen in my life. There was a time when Jesus, he was nothing more than just a lucky charm to me. And I would walk around thinking and believing that this is, this is what it is. Until something punched me in the mouth. And I realized that Christianity is not just rainbows and butterflies. See, this morning, I need you to understand that as a believer, and even if you're not a believer in here, uh, just giving you a little preface of what to look forward to, that, that your walk, your faith, is not all just rainbows and butterflies. 
that is not just, we're not just a bunch of people coming together as a community to do kumbaya, hang out, feel good, and then leave. And the reason why I'm letting you know this is because if you're unprepared, the moment you're punched in the mouth, you're going to be like this faith thing is broken. And then walk away. See, this morning, as beautiful as Christianity is, uh, as, as much as it is a community, as much as it is uh, John 10, 10, for you to have a life that is a full, as much as it is those things, on the very opposite side, you have to understand that you're in a fight. See, because God has placed a calling and a purpose over your life. And there is an enemy who would love to do everything that he possibly can to prevent you from ever fulfilling that. And so you and I, we have to understand that we are in a fight so that when these things happen, when that, that test comes back positive, when you look at your bank account and those bills aren't able to be paid, when you look at your marriage and like, my gosh, it's, this is worse than ever. When you see those things, you got to know that is happening because you're in a fight. See, this morning I want you guys to know you're in a fight. You're in a fight. And by the end of this series, like my hope is that you would understand that you can stand firm. When the rainbows disappear and the butterflies fly away, that you are able to stand firm in your faith. And it could come swinging at you. The waves can come, the trials can come, and, and, and those hardships can come. But you can still stand firm in your faith so that when it blows past you, you're still there. And that's what I love about this letter that Paul is writing in Ephesians 6. He, he, he's giving us these seven practical principles that he, he uh, coins them uh, the armor of God. These seven things that, that when we uh, equip ourselves with these things that then according to what the word says that we can stand firm when trials happen. When life throws a curve that you can stand firm. And so this morning what we're going to do, we're going to take the first two of these principles and then uh, we'll just finish it off the next three weeks. And, and so, um, so the first one of this, for, for all you note takers, is this, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now it's very interesting to me that the first thing that, that the, the first item, so, so here's what we're going to do, let me back up just so we're all on the same page. Paul, he's going to list an item, and then he's also going to list a principle. And, and my goal is that to show you how this item works with this principle, okay? And so here's the very first one, the belt of truth. And uh, what's very interesting to me is that for a belt, there's many purposes for a belt, right? Like, keeps you from your pants falling down. You can hang things from your belt. 
a belt is multifaceted, but here's the deal. Though, though the purpose and the job for the belt differs, the position is always the same. And the belt, when we think of a belt, it's typically always around the center, the waist, okay? It's in the center. So remember that, the belt's in the center. And, and so Paul, he, he takes this item of the belt, and then he, he partners it with the principle of, of truth. Now let me say this, at the center of each and every one of your lives, you filter the way that you talk, the way you think, the way you act through a particular truth that you hold dear. If I could say it this way, I would, I would call truth as the final word. Your final, your final word. Let me, let me say it this way. Truth is defined by what you establish as the final say in your life. Truth is, is defined by what you establish as the final say in your life. So truth, your truth, is who or what you allow as the final say in your life. Now there's some of you in here this morning, your truth has become, um, your, your truth are feelings. Like you allow your feelings to be your final say. If I feel like doing it, then I'm going to do it. If I feel like not doing it, I'm not going to do it. If I feel like going to work, I'm going to go to work. If I don't feel like going to work, I'm not going to work. If I feel like going to church, I'm going to go to church. If I don't feel like going to church, I'm... If I feel like I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to read it. If I don't feel like I want to read my Bible. And so for some of us, our feelings have become our final say. For others, uh, you've allowed people to be your final say. So whatever this person says that I should do, I'm going to do. Whatever this person says that I shouldn't do, I'm, I'm not going to do. And, and we allow sometimes people to be our final say. For some of you in here, it's culture. Whatever culture says is okay, then that's what I'm going to go with. Whatever culture says I, I shouldn't do, which, let's be honest, culture doesn't say you can't do much, right? So... So whatever culture says, that that's going to be my final say. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's your comfort. Whatever my comfort is, that's going to be my final say. If it's not stretching me, if it's not making me feel uncomfortable, then, then that's going to be my final say. My final say. Now let's pause there for a second. Because there's a story in the Bible at the very beginning of, of, your, of your Bible. There's a story that I think um, beautifully paints this picture of truth, of what truth is. And, and it's, it's found in the book of Genesis at the very beginning of Genesis. Uh, and it involves a woman named Eve. And this woman... Uh, named Eve, and, 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 and Adam, Adam and Eve, and, and so I'm going to just give you the cliff notes, you can look at it, it's in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, <clears throat> excuse me, but, but here is this, this, this story of, of Adam and Eve, and uh, they're in this garden, God, God places them in this beautiful, this beautiful um, uh, garden, and God says to them, this is all yours. 
Everything in here is yours. Except whatever comes off this one tree. He said, this is God. He, he said, you can have everything in here except for this one tree. And if you eat it, you will die. See, in that moment was the first truth that was established. The first truth. Fast forward a little bit uh, to chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. Here is, um, here is Eve. She's hanging out. She's sunbathing, maybe. When you don't wear clothes, you're always sunbathing. Yeah. And, and so here is Eve. She's hanging out. And uh, the Bible says that there's a serpent that comes along. And, 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 and he asks Eve, like, hey, why, why don't you eat this, this fruit? And Eve, she responds back. She said, because God told me not to. And if I do, I will surely die. And then watch what the serpent does. He, he says, you won't die. But in fact, you'll become wise like God. And notice what he did there. He tried to counter God's truth with another truth. See, really in life, there's really only two truths. And so here, here is Eve, she's stuck between the truth, her final say, that I should not eat this, or the other final say, the other truth of I should eat this. And I was reading that, that, that this, the story, and I was like, my gosh, I feel like that, that is so, um, that is so, or such a beautiful picture of what I feel like a lot of us go through or look like. This idea that we're standing in the middle of two truths trying to figure it out. And each truth, we're trying to decide who is going to have the final say in our life. Who is going to have the final say in the things that I think? Who is going to have the final say in the way that I talk? Who is going to have the final say in the way that I act? And here we are. Stop. Who, who is going to have the final say in our lives? What I love is what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and, and verse 6. Uh, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, and he says this. I am the way, the, the truth and the life. So here is, here is Paul, he's saying that we need to put on the belt of truth. And what I love, Jesus is here and he's saying, hey guys, just FYI, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, I love Jesus that, that, that he's not saying that I am a truth. I'm not one of the truths. I am not one of the options of truths that you, but he said, I am the truth. Jesus, he's establishing himself as the truth, like he is truth. And what's amazing to me is this, is this that truth, true truth, real truth, 
always leads to life. See, you look at the story of Adam and Eve and, and, and that, that she decided to, to not have the truth as the final say, but something else to be the final say. And guess what? It led to death. Truth. So Paul, he's saying, put on the belt of truth. Here's what I believe that Paul is getting at, that at the center of each and every one of our lives, we have to place Jesus at the center. So when Paul is saying, put on the belt of truth, I feel like he's saying, hey, make Jesus the center of everything. I feel like Paul is saying, if you can place Jesus at the center, if you can make Jesus the center of everything, when hell comes in high water, you can stand firm and not be shaken. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Here's the second item, and then this will be the end. We're going to do communion as well. But the, the second item, oh, let me see, the notes. I know you guys got notes. That making Jesus the center of everything for you note takers. Here, here's the second, make Jesus the center of everything. The second item that Paul says is the body armor of God's righteousness. Some of us, we grew up with the breastplate of righteousness. Of, of that being, being the phrase there. Um, but so, so here it is, the item. Paul's giving us the item. The body armor. Right? Now, here's what's very interesting about this. And I'm not, this is not a shot value thing because you could have told yourself this. But the body armor was something that the soldier would place over them to cover the vital organs of a soldier, i.e. the heart. And so they, the, they, they would place this armor over the soldier as a protective covering. And so here's Paul. We have the item, the, the armor, or the breastplate of righteousness. And then he pairs it with our principle, righteousness. Now, let's, so that we're all on the same page, let's, let's define righteousness. Do we have the, that on the screen? No? Okay, it doesn't matter. So here it is. Righteousness. The quality of being morally right. The quality of being morally right. The quality of being morally right. Now, if the belt of truth, the center, right, the center of everything. Everything flows from the center. If, if the belt of truth is the center, then what Paul is saying here, so there's two righteousness. There's a self-righteousness. This is not what Paul's talking about if Jesus is the center. See, self-righteousness is, is this. Um... Uh, is the idea that your moral superiority is better because of what you have done. So self-righteousness is all about what you have done as an individual. So there's self-righteousness, 
And then there's the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is a realization that everything I have is because he extended his hand out towards me. It's God that made me right. Now, now in, in the story of Adam and Eve, I think it's a beautiful picture of self-righteousness and the righteousness of God. See, when, when God found out that uh, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, or excuse me, let me back up. When Adam and Eve bit the fruit, the Bible says that their eyes were open. And they realized in that moment that they were naked. They realized that they were standing there naked. And because of their embarrassment, because of their shame, the Bible says that they took some leaves and in order to try and cover up their mistake, they sewed up clothes out of leaves. Are you, are you getting this visual? So their, their, their nakedness was, was a visual of the sin or the disobedience that they had. And they tried to cover up their disobedience in their own strength by sewing leaves together. And I think this is such an important thing to understand is this idea that in our own strength, we don't have what it takes to cover up our mistakes. Yeah. And so God, he's like, he, he starts to look for Adam and Eve. Adam, Eve, where are you? They're like, we're here, God, we're right here. And God, he's like Captain Obvious. He, he's like, you notice you're naked. You have clothes on. They begin to talk about like how they, they gave in and how they, um, how, how they, they, they bit the fruit. And, and, and what I love is God's response in this moment. Because while Adam and Eve, while they sowed on the leaves, that, that self-righteousness, right? Trying to, trying to make myself right based off of my own strength. What I love is how God, he looked down and he wasn't like, ah, But what I love is that the Bible said in verse 21 of Genesis 3, that God made clothes out of the animal, out of the skin of an animal. And he made this, these clothes and he used it to cover Adam and Eve. Now I want to unpack this just a little bit because I think there's so much in here. Adam and Eve, they tried to cover up their own disobedience by sowing leaves together. God saw that it wasn't enough, so he's like, hey, let me help you out. And so he he had to have killed an animal. Sorry if there's any PETA people in here. He had to have killed an animal in order to get the skin from the animal and to sew the clothes. A lot of scholars believe that, that this, is, this was a foreshadowing of what God was going to do 
on the cross through Jesus. See, this was the first time blood was ever mentioned in the Bible, the first time as a blood covenant. And so, so he took, God took this skin and he said, hey, those fig leaves aren't going to do the trick. He said, let me help you out. And so he weaved together his clothes and, and he took it and he placed it over them. He covered, he covered them. Paul said, he, he took the, breath, the breastplate, the armor, and he partnered it with the principle of righteousness. Because just like the armor was a covering placed over to protect, so the righteousness of God was sent to you by Jesus, through Jesus, to cover you and I so that we could be made right in his standing. Watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. See, Paul is saying, hey, if you want to stand firm, if you want to stand firm, when, when, when life attacks and when, when the enemy attacks, you, you got to first, it first starts with placing Jesus at the center of everything. He's your belt of truth. He's in the center. You got to make him center. If you don't make him center, nothing else will work. And he's saying if you want, if you want to, to, to stand firm, you, you, you make Jesus center. But then you also got to clothe yourself in the righteousness of God. If I can put it in an easier way to say it, Paul is saying this. That putting on the body armor of righteousness is literally doing this. Placing your hope and your dependence in Jesus. This realization, this understanding that everything that I have, everything I am, it's not because of me. But it's because God saw my, my nakedness and my attempt to try to cover up everything about me that I didn't want people to know. And he extended out a hand and he said, let me help you out. And he clothed me. And what I love about this is that the moment you become a believer, the moment that you make Jesus the center of your life, God no longer sees you, but he sees you through the lens of his son, Jesus. And because of that, we are made right with him. Because I'm telling you, we could stand firm we can stand firm and we can stay our ground, stand our ground. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. 
Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.